Welcome to Chase Family Church. You're about to hear a message from one of our Sunday mornings, and we pray that God would bless it to you and to your family. Firstly, uh, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here, those who are able to come this morning, and it's great to uh, welcome everyone who's online. So today, the title that I have given my preach is One Step at a Time. And before going into the main section of the talk, I want to explain how I came to that title. So uh, the statement that this year has been a challenging one would be an understatement. And in my lifetime, though it's a bit shorter than some, um, I've not seen anything like this. Um, And I do want to say that there have been some personal challenges for me along the way, times where I have questioned God, why is this happening to the world? Why is this happening to me? Um, How long is this going to last for? Can't we get back to the way it was beforehand? Um, And there have been moments where I've really had to turn to God, and I've been grateful for his faithfulness throughout those times um, that he's not left me at any point. And at the start of 2021, uh, when we were in tier four, this was just after Christmas, I was missing the opportunity to have seen family And I was doing the whole new year, new me type of thing in terms of my attitude to things. I was trying to be more positive, uh, focus on the place that God had put me. But God had reminded me through many other people that I needed to do things one day at a time. If I was going to worry about the things that were ahead of me, I was going to miss out on the things that he had for me today. But the next part of the story is that I began doing the Bible in a year with Nikki Gumbel. And on the 6th of January, I was reading about Abraham and the promises that he was promised by God in the Old Testament. I usually read the verses, um, reflect on them myself, and then uh, listen to what Nikki Gumbel has got to say. And his prayer for those in reflecting on those verses were, Lord, help me this year to follow your direction one step at a time, to live under your blessing and bring as much blessing as I can to everyone around. Now, the one step at a time really stood out to me. And it was almost God saying that one day at a time might not involve God because I could let a day go by and not invite him in. But one step at a time, I'm asking for his instruction. I'm asking for his first step. I don't need to worry about the numerous steps afterwards, but invite him in. So I've started to try and do one step at a time, asking God into my day. Now, we're going to look at different aspects of what it means to be living one step at a time. Now, the first point that I want to make is surrender. Last time I spoke at church in 2019, um, I I spoke on this topic and it was after I'd returned from South Africa for six months, um, from being in South Africa for six months, and I was a couple of weeks away from moving to Malvern to do my master's course. Surrender was a recurring theme for me um, during my life at that time, and it still is to this day. And surrender and one step at a time go hand in hand because it is about surrendering to God daily, surrendering yourself to be open to his next step. 
In the Oxford Dictionary, surrender is defined as stop resisting an enemy or opponent and submit to their authority or to give up and hand over. Now, this is a very secular definition because God is not your enemy. He is not fighting against you. He is fighting for you. Um, and he is not going to force you to surrender. He gives you a choice. But he does have a plan for your life, whether you accept that plan or not. And his plan is always going to be better than your own plan for the future. I want you to think today, what are the things that you have not surrendered to God? Is it your fears? Is it the safety and health of your family? Is it your dreams, your ambitions, job security? Maybe it's your finance, your education. Is it your time? Like I said, I've been going on this journey of surrender. I do not have all the answers. I will share some part of my journey, uh, some part of what my journey has been. But you must know that God is your greatest teacher. And he is not going to rush things unnecessarily. And he will show you how to do it, but invite him in. But a question that I want to ask you all is, do you want to surrender? Or do you want to do things the way that they've always been done? In Galatians 2, 19 to 20, it says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, if you have made a decision to follow God, to give your life to him and accept him as your Lord and Saviour, then you have already died to your sinful self, and you are with Christ on that cross. We became one with Christ. In our daily lives, we choose to crucify sinful desires that keep us from following God. We've also been, um, because we died with Christ, we, it also means that we've been raised with him and reconciled with God. We are no longer alone, for Christ lives in us. He is our power for living and our hope for the future. We don't have to do things in our own strength anymore. We are not alone in our struggles and challenges. However, we can all recognise that we have those selfish tendencies and moments where we think we know better than God. I can do things in my own strength. I can solve those problems. And maybe you can solve some of those problems, but maybe you're putting a plaster on a wound that needs stitches. What I'm getting at here is, like I already said, God's plan is always going to be better than your own. And you have to surrender and give up the plans that you already have. If you don't surrender everything, you haven't surrendered to God. Ask God today, what are you holding back from him? And what is stopping you from going deeper and deeper with him? The second point is... Trusting God. Trust and surrender, they go hand in hand. You're not going to surrender to someone who you don't trust. But unfortunately, it's very easy in life to lose trust in the people around us. 
Maybe they let you down. Maybe they make a promise that they can't fulfill. Maybe you lose trust in the fact that someone loves you. But we know our God is a faithful God. It tells us in the Bible, and we have so many examples and testimonies of the fact that he will never leave us. His love never runs out, and he has great plans for us. If he makes a promise to you, he is going to fulfill it. You just might have to be patient with the journey. Whenever we talk about promises, I can't help but think about Abraham and um, the promises that were given to him and his journey of obedience. In a moment, I'm going to read a part of Abraham and Isaac's story. But to give context to those who may not know the story of Abraham, he is known as the father of the Jewish nation. He left Ur and Mesopotamia because God called him to found a new nation in an undesignated land that he later learned was Canaan. He obeyed unquestionably the commands of God, who, had, who he received repeated promises and a covenant that his seed would inherit the land. Isaac, uh, Abraham and Sarah's son was promised to them many years before he was born. And he was born in their old age. Abraham was a hundred. But Abraham was faithful to God and God was faithful in fulfilling the promises given to him. Okay, I'm going to read from Genesis 2, 22, um, verses 1 to 19. That's Genesis 22, 1 to 19. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up. And there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. 
And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have, with not, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of the enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Well, I am always challenged by this story. Um, I'm not a parent, um, but I do have family and friends who are really close to me. And the concept of sacrificing them out of obedience to God seems really strange um, and maybe slightly terrifying. But what we need to focus on here is that actually we know the ending. Abraham, when he entered that situation, he didn't know the ending. He put his complete trust in God, no matter how the situation was going to end. We know that Isaac was so precious to Abraham. He was the son that he had waited for for years. He was the son that had been promised to him. But God commanded and Abraham obeyed. His priority was not his own dream. His priority was God. He was going to follow the dream, God's dream for Abraham. I want to say uh, to those of you who maybe this story is new to you, God is not in the habit of telling people to go and kill other people. Um, in fact, in Matthew, Jesus speaks out against murder. But this is a demonstration of giving everything over to God, no matter the cost. I want to ask you to recognise within yourself what or who is your Isaac? Who or what might be holding you back in your relationship with God? If God asks you to give that person or thing up today, would you trust him enough to do it? In Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You can't be torn between God and someone else. Even your spouse, your children, your closest friends. God must always be the priority. Actively choose him every day and ask him for direction for the next step no matter the cost. So the third point I want to make, so we've had surrender, trusting God. The third one, united church together. God did not make us to live life alone. Just as he created Eve for Adam, he created the church as a people, not as individuals. I was reading through the book of Acts um, during the second lockdown in November um, and I was challenged by this certain section. In chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, it is written, The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone, to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. I don't know about you, but each time I read this section of Acts, I am always challenged about the way they lived their lives. Ultimately for God, living for each but live, also living for each other, loving each other and living together. It says that they sold their properties and possessions to give to those who, need, who were in need. Imagine if we heard of a church in today's society who were selling their properties and possessions to help those who were struggling to feed their family, those who have financial need, those who don't have a home. The world would be shocked. Christians would be shocked. And the church maybe would become famous overnight. I don't know. But the thing is, is that God is giving us a demonstration in the Bible of that's how selfless the church must be. Now more than ever, maybe we need to stop being comfortable and we need to do the things that are hard and cost us. I'm giving this as an example of how the church can be selfless with their belongings. And some might say this is an extreme way. And I'm not telling you to go out and sell your properties and all your prized possessions. That is between you and God. But what I am asking you to do is to look at your heart. How many times a day do we say the word or um, I? How many times a day do we think about ourselves before other people? As already said, we live in a selfish world, which tells us that we matter more than other people. And that you should do whatever you need to do to succeed in this world even if it means treading on other people, even if it means causing them pain. The world tells us it's all about me, me, me. And I do want you to understand that you do matter. You matter to God so much, and you matter so much that you might be the answer to someone else's prayer, because God can use you. You matter so much that you can carry the light into dark places. But I truly believe that we need to start, and I know some people are already doing this, but we need to start looking at people and seeing them as family. See them as your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just head knowing it, but heart knowing it. Your actions demonstrating them as family. Stop looking at ourselves as individuals, trying to get through lives by ourselves, but together, united. This week, um, I've been joining some of the Zoom prayer meetings, and I can honestly say, when I come on, it feels like family. Um, and there's something so special about that. Um, and God, God was talking to me this week about how I pray for my own family who are really close to me like if something's wrong 
You're almost in desperation to pray for them. God, answer this prayer now. But maybe if it's someone you don't know, um, maybe it's a friend of a friend of a friend type of thing, you pray for them, but maybe not with that same passion. But God is saying that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. So when we pray for people, we need to be praying as if they are your brother and sister. But we also need to be treating each other that way. Are you excited in the same way when you see someone at church? Well, that's my brother, that's my sister. I'm back with my family at long last. And in case you're thinking, I don't know where I fit into this family. I don't know what I can do. In Romans 12, it talks about how we form one body and each member belongs to all the others. From verse 6, it states, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We were created by God and we were all created with specific yet unique skills that are actually essential to the church. We can't do this alone, as I've already said. But particularly at the moment, we can't do this alone. And truly, I tell you that God has got a job for you. And it's a job that no one else can do. And everyone is needed. You are needed and you are part of this family. Don't ever think that you are alone. I just want to take this moment to pray um, before we come to the end of this. But God, I want to thank you that you've created this family, this church family. And I pray that we would choose other people before ourselves. We would invite you in and you would, you would show us how to be united together. God, I, would, I, ask that you to, for, I ask for you to show us the roles that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the message today and pray that it would bless you in your life. And if you have any questions you would like to ask, then please email info at chasefamilychurch.com.